Welcome to the What She Said podcast. My name is Candace Sampson. I am currently in the middle of divorce proceedings, working towards my psychology degree, dating for the first time in 20 years, raising three teenage girls, a senior dog, and two guinea pigs. And in the middle of all this, I thought it would be a good time to buy the What She Said media property. What could possibly go wrong? I've been in the trenches with women across Canada for over a decade now, oversharing on the Yummy Mummy Club, Life in Pleasantville, and on all my social media pages, and I totally do it for the gram. And now I'm coming to you on the radio at 105.9 The Region and on this podcast. Apparently, I have a lot to say. So let's get rolling. I first met Shreya Patel in the fall of 2019 when we met to discuss her documentary, Girl Up, which is about human and sex trafficking in Canada. I remember at the time thinking, this is actually an issue in Canada? I mean, how could that happen here? Surprisingly, it happens a lot, and not just in urban areas. It happens in the suburbs and in rural areas and across all socioeconomic statuses. There is nobody that's left untouched by this. Let's face it, it's the internet and kids have access to it everywhere. Which got me thinking about right now. In this pandemic, teenagers are locked away pretty much with 24-7 access to the internet. And we just don't know what they're doing all the time. Which leads me to think possibly a few of them are being groomed to be sex trafficked when our physical distancing measures relax. So I decided to have Shreya back to talk a little bit more about the signs and the indicators that parents can watch for if their children are being sex trafficked, and to have those conversations with their kids now so that they know themselves when they're actually being used. So I would like to introduce you to Shreya Patel. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Shreya. Uh, This is a fascinating uh, topic for me, uh, mostly, you know, because as a mother to two teenage daughters, it is a real concern, uh, this human trafficking. And mostly because one of the things you've mentioned to me before is how slick these pimps can be uh, in, in sort of getting girls into this. Yeah, it's, it's a very easy way to lure like vulnerable girls especially when they're very young because most of these girls are like in high school or even some of them are in elementary school and if you're going to use like pickup artist books to lure these girls in it's going to be easy for them to be trafficked so when you were when you were making girl up what was one of the um youngest um examples of sex trafficking you came across I did not come across uh, the youngest because I heard younger girls getting trafficked. She was 13 years old. I found out that story through a police officer. I, I haven't met her or anything like that. But the youngest that I came across during my research was 13. And wow. the girl that I interviewed, uh, she was trafficked at 17. And one of the other girls that I interviewed, she was also trafficked at 16. Yeah, at 16. And so how long did they end up sort of in this um, environment before they were able to get break free of it? Or did they break free of it? So one of the girls that I, I interviewed, it took her two and a half years. She still struggles, of course, because 
the kind of trauma that you go through. It's not something that you can get over in maybe a year or two. But the good news about her is that she has three degrees under her belt. She's a phenomenal wow. woman. She's very articulate, like grateful to have met her and like for her to share her story with me. The other girl that I know, uh, she is a phenomenal human being as well. She was, she's much older now and she is a speaker and she uses her voice to sh- like shed awareness on this. So she is amazing. She also had a similar story of where she was a straight A student and one of her boyfriends, similar age, pushed her into it and she had no clue for a while. I think her story was also about two or three years. I, um, yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, so let's talk about the grooming of, of these girls. Um, you know, how does this sort of start? What's sort of the initial um, push for them? You know, they meet somebody who you say is not like somebody in their 50s. So it could be somebody just a few years older than them. Yeah, so most of these camps are age 18 to 34. They might be a little older sometimes or a little younger, but this is the average. And these guys, they look for girls who are vulnerable. Most young girls are, but they look for a need and they catch on to that. So they'll go on like social media and a lot of young girls, they put up a lot online, their feelings and where they are and all of that is very dangerous. And if Well, one of the most dangerous I think is, you know, things like um, Snapchat, you know, oh. that has a map that actually shows where everybody is. And, you know, if this is not locked down and only shown to certain people, your information is just out there for everybody. Especially traffickers, if they're looking for it. Right. Snapchat is very scary. You, you did remind me of that. Yes, I remember of there being a map. It's like, oh, see where your friends are. Oh, no, this is like ways to being like, please, like, traffic me like it's it's so easy these days and, and did you these come guys did, like, did you come across some girls who were pulling in girls like girls who were uh, oh yeah that happens as well oh so often actually i can tell you a story about this last year in january of 2019 there were three people that were caught on tinder in toronto uh, that were traffickers and one of them was actually a female and when she was questioned about it she said that well I was also lured in by these guys and to protect myself from not getting trafficked anymore I decided to help them uh, get the girls in like lure girls in and it's easy for girls to lure a girl in because there's a lot more trust involved in it exactly like I think that's a little bit like uh, you know you do you you get a new best friend and and they you know they're showing you all these great things and again using that psychology behind pulling somebody into this lifestyle yeah and there's another story that I can share which is frightening <laughs> I just remember that this one girl lures a similar story one of the guys is like you need to help me lure a girl and it's like okay fine they meet at a party this girl tells another girl, like, hey, like, come on over, like, you know, come stay with me, high school, right? So she's like, yeah, sure, like, I want to be cool, I'll stay with this girl. The next morning, uh, she, she, like, basically spent a lot of money on the other girl, like, oh, come on, party with us, come do this with us, come do that. So for two or three times, she did that. The third time or the fourth time, this girl stayed over at this other girl's house. In the morning, she's like, hey, like, thank you for this amazing night again, can you drop me home? She's like, yeah, sure takes a car, is driving her, takes her to the Porter Airport and is like, you actually have to pay me money. 
And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I spent so much money on you. And she's like, but I don't want that. It's like, yeah, but it's been like three, four times. You've just been hanging out with us and I spent a lot of money on you. So you'll have to pay me back or else like, I'm not like, you're going to be in trouble basically. And then she, she's like, okay, what should I do? Right. She takes her to a strip club in Toronto, forces, forces her to like strip, like strip dance, gets the money. And she's like, okay, this is it. Right. And she's like, no, this is just the starting. And basically she was lured into it constantly. And, and at that time, by that point, I suspect they start to use tactics like we'll expose you, we'll share video of you on, you know, uh, with friends, with family on social media. So then yeah. it be, you know, so you get, you get sucked in with, with kindness and then you have to stay in with uh, threats. Yes. There's a lot of extortion, a lot of pictures, exactly what you just said. They'll take pictures of the victim and they'll be like, well, if you don't, Exactly what you said. If you if you don't give, if you don't continue this, then we are going to expose you and share this on social media for everyone to see. We're going to kill your pets. Pets is another thing. We're going to kill your pets. We're going to tell your parents. We're going to put up posters of you around in school. It's so heartbreaking to think about that. So, um, what are sort of the numbers around this in Canada? Like, can you share any sort of how often this is happening? I don't have the numbers on top of my head, but I know for a fact that 90% of um, the Canadian trafficking happens within Canada. So it is domestic human trafficking. That's one thing that I do know for sure. And uh, what was another thing? I think there was another stat that I can't think of it right now, but I know that 90% of it is uh, Canadian born, Canadian bred, like Canadian traffickers. It's not like anyone's getting kidnapped or like got, getting out of borders and stuff like that. That doesn't happen much often here. And is this largely an urban issue, uh, you know, or rural? So like, or is this just sort of affects all areas? It affects all areas. And surprisingly, I, I didn't know this. Like I learned all of this while making the documentary. One of the, one of the screenings that I had was in Brooklyn, Ontario. I have never even heard of Brooklyn. Someone contacted me and they're like, there's a problem in, in um, Brooklyn. Can you please showcase it here? There were more than 260 people who came to see the documentary and police officers and, and social workers and like, no, sorry, not traffickers, uh, survivors and everyone was there. And that case, like the cases in Brooklyn, Ontario, were so many that it shocked me because it's like 6,000 people or something like that live there. Right. So it's right. not, it's not like a big urban issue. It's, it's everywhere. And it's and anywhere. You know, I, I recently read about a story that happened in Peterborough, which again, a small uh, community where this girl was being picked up at school in the morning by her pimp, dropped off at the end of the day back at school in time to get the bus home. And her so parents sweet. had no idea this was happening. Yeah, the par parents will never know unless you start noticing, like, and the thing is, most of these girls who are getting trafficked, it's, it's, it's not always the parents' fault, but, but there is a, there is a saying, like not saying, but there is a thing about parents being too busy to notice what the kid is going through. Because right. if you start noticing like indicators very early on, like, oh, they're becoming defensive, they're getting isolated, you barely ever see them, like they have expensive stuff, like all these things, then you can, you can actually confront them and try and save them, you know? Right. Actually, the, the, one of the screenings that I did um, in, at TIFF last year in April, there were parents whose kids were getting trafficked as we speak, like at, at the screening. 
and I'm like, how did you find out about this? Like, oh, because it was a public screening. We we are looking for like how we can help our daughters. We don't know how to get them out. It was too late. So you mentioned um, TikTok was bad. Um, Instagram was bad. Is, are these location things or that the girls are oversharing? It's both. It's both because oversharing comes from sharing to where the location is too, right? It's like, hey guys, look where I am tonight with my friends getting drunk or like, oh, look, I'm at this event right now. Like that's, that's so scary because a lot of these guys, if you're in school, a lot of these guys are, are, are in school with you. They're checking your Instagram. They're checking your Snapchat. They're checking your TikTok. There are some really, really scandalous things that some of these girls do on, on social media just to be cool. And they don't know, right? They don't know that this is dangerous. They think it's cool. Everyone's doing it. But it's, it's a very scary world, especially a digital world, because that's where most of these girls are getting trafficked from. Absolutely. So um, let's go through the, uh, so the, um, the top signs then, sort of the indicators that parents can look for. Like, let, let's just run them down uh, yeah. quickly we here. So um, yeah. start at the top for me. Yeah. So if a person appears to be disconnected from everyone around them, that's one. Uh, stopped attending school. Another one is uh, start no- noticing like dramatic changes in behavior. And then person feels like disoriented, confused when you talk to them. A person is very like submissive, timid, fearful. The other one is people appear to be coached in what they're saying. That's a big one, especially when they're getting trafficked a lot. And notice the person's company, who they're hanging out with, and if they're controlling the person. Uh, Signs of physical abuse. Uh, Branding does happen. Uh, It's, it's, I don't know how much, but I, I know from my research that branding happens through cigarette burns and tattoos. So it's That's very horrific. small. Yeah, it's it's very scary. It's very small. It's like, okay, this this victim belongs to this pimp or whatever. So that does happen. But a lot of it is physical abuse as well. Like, um, yeah. And the other one is like defensive nature when confronted. And expensive clothes expensive clothes, inappropriate clothes, expensive items, watches, purses, things like that. Uh, body language is the last one, like noticing body language. And, and if, a, if suddenly you see like dramatic change, behavior changes, you know something's up. And do, do the use of drugs and sex trafficking, human trafficking go sort of hand in hand? So that's an interesting question because the girls that I, it, it does, I'll say that it does. But the girls that I have come across and I have interviewed, only three of, actually, no, there is, like, the three girls that I know, they, they were not into drugs. The, the trafficker did not give them drugs because they wanted them to look healthy. And they were trying to make them, like, the high-end escorts versus, like, oh, you're forced into it, drugs, all of that. So the three that I interviewed, they, none of them have ever touched drugs. Um, it was just a lot of manipulation and, and boyfriend kind of a relationship. And, and even, even the trafficker, so to say, the boyfriend was uh, quite healthy as well, which was interesting. But when I interviewed Tamara Cherry, who is a journalist uh, who's been reporting about this since 2008, before any of us like, even knew about it, she mentioned that she has come across uh, like, uh, victims that have been in heavy usage of drugs. And even when they came out of it, uh, what happened is, yes, the police 
help them rescue them or whatever. But these girls, they're so used to that lifestyle, lifestyle, like life, life, lifetime, life, um, the, the whole life that they end up going back. So even though they're not getting trafficked anymore and they're rescued, they're so manipulated into asking everything that they do that sometimes they would have even, they have called police officers and they're like, hey, I don't know what color my hair should be. Can you help me? I'm, I'm trying to dye it. Like that's how, how abused and, and like controlled they are. Yeah, then, I mean, the, the, this, the, the psychology behind this must be um, insane. And, and I can only imagine the therapy they must have to go through mm-hmm. after coming out of this and, and sort of going forward um, in their lives. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, um, it's, it's not just an urban issue. It can hap- happen rural as well. Um, is there, does this sort of tend to happen across, you know, all economic statuses as well? Or does it tend to be, you know, lower income? Like, I think, you know, a lot of parents might think that they're immune uh, if they would be middle class or upper middle class, uh, for example. So what's sort of the experience with that? Uh, you're right. A lot of parents do think they're immune and that is untrue. Uh, like this crime does not discriminate against any socioeconomic backgrounds, race, culture, nothing. The girl that I interviewed, amazing family. Uh, and I'll, you know what? Every, when I was making the documentary, a lot of people would ask me this question. Actually, every single one has asked me this question. Is the girl in your documentary like an immigrant, lower class family, like doesn't have a, like is a single parent, like all these things that people assume stereotypes? I was like, nope, none of that is true. She's actually Caucasian from a really great family who has like a really tight knit family. So it doesn't discriminate against anyone that's and just I think that's because we want to we want to make it be so it can't happen to us that's our defense mechanism right yeah. uh, you know oh but we have we live in a good neighborhood and we're you know we're married and we, they go to a good school so you know I think that's a defense mechanism for us to uh, allow ourselves to believe it couldn't possibly happen to our child uh, so this is a bit of an eye-opener, I think, that parents should be aware it could really happen across any, um, in any family, any household, uh, any economic status, any, um, any area. Yes, and also, like, uh, these good neighborhoods that you mentioned, traffickers look for girls in those neighborhoods. You know why? Because it's easier, because no one believes that it will happen there. Even right. hotels, like big hotels, there are all these, like, you will never think that, oh, it's Ritz Carlton or, like, Royal York Hotel, this is happening. Because they're like, oh, it's Royal York Hotel. It's fancy. That's where most of this happens. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, this job is not a nighttime job. It's a nine-to-five job. These girls are not waiting outside, waiting for a car to come pick them up. This is all, like, happening through websites like TURB, which is a Toronto Escort Review Board. And it's, a, it's an escort one, but but a lot of girls are getting trafficked through that. It's well, I so- mean, I guess the biggest eye-opener for me was what I said was about the one in uh, Peterborough where the girl was being picked up at school after she was dropped off after the bus and dropped it off in time to get the bus home. So, I mean, obviously this was happening between the hours of, you know, nine and three uh, during the mm-hmm. day. So it's not an evening uh, activity necessarily uh, for a lot of these girls. No, not at all. It's actually pretty 
during the day these girls have a normal life like not normal life but you know they are they're back at home there's domestic abuse at home of course if you're living with your trafficker but right they're not working at night so you're working on a series now about this so tell me about what that looks like are you focusing on a certain area in canada are you going across canada so i'm really excited about my series i've been working on it for quite some time it's basically based out in canada in toronto for now but this can happen anywhere it's not um it's, it's not just one place but this, this happens in every first world country so anyone in the first world countries who want to learn about domestic human trafficking they'll be able to relate to it and it's about a international student who comes to canada and is trafficked by her friends so because that happens a lot and we are trying to showcase how the just not just the, the justice system works, but how the manipulation actually starts. Because right. even the traffickers, even the friend of this girl, they weren't they did they didn't think that they wanted to be trafficked, or they didn't think that they were going to be traffickers themselves. It happened because of conditioning of a certain certain thing that happened in their life, right? Right. Not trying to glorify like uh, traffickers or anything, but we're just trying to showcase every side of it. So, so we understand why trafficking happens, how it happens, really, because you can hear stories all all the time. But if when you watch a series, you 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 see the transition, right? You you go in a journey with this this girl who's getting trafficked. So you will see everything, which is why I wanted to make the series because. When I initially made the documentary, the government wasn't doing much at the time. So now I just want to show it and do my part, I guess. And I think another challenge for parents just, you know, is that this is happening to teen girls, teen girls um, and teen boys as well. Uh, but their very nature is to be in to push for independence, uh, to keep secrets, to uh, push boundaries. And so it's hard to know as a parent where this starts to get abnormal or dangerous. Uh, what part should you be very concerned about? So this, knowing these indicators and these signs are really important um, for parents to know. But alternatively, I think it's important for teen girls to be aware of how they are being manipulated and groomed um, for, for these things. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of, teens think that this couldn't possibly happen to them. <laughs> You're very right, which is why I really was pushing. Um, I, I was trying my bit, trying to get this information out in school systems. But with our government, when they were trying to push the sex ed curriculum to 1998, I don't know how much they're going to push trafficking and signs and symptoms of that in their curriculum, which is very hard. Um, I recently addressed just a couple of weeks ago um, on Women's Day. I addressed uh, city of Tron city of Markham in the city hall about about human trafficking, and a lot of parents there as well came up to me and they're like, "We had no idea this was happening. How can we like bring this information to our daughters? Because if we try to talk to them, sometimes a lot of parents should be open to their kids about these things, but it's hard. I mean, I understand. I understand that as well." It's like, how can we get this, like, in schools? How can, I'm like, I have no clue. I wish I knew, which is why I'm trying to make a series because that's the only thing I know because I'm an artist. Or I can, I can speak, but how, I don't know how to reach the schools. But I've tried so hard. Like, I've been like, why is this not available in school systems? And I was literally told by one of the MPPs, I'm not going to name who, that if we teach this in school systems, we are giving little boys ideas on how to traffic girls. 
Oh, wow. That's horrifying. Yeah. Well, so here's, here's my, here's what, I, you know, where, where I sit with this. We are now in week four of quarantine. Um, and like many parents, I have sort of removed limits on screen time. <laughs> I mean, we are living in times that are unusual, to say the least. Uh, and you just, you, you, you know, most parents are just throwing up their hands right now, especially of teens saying, by all means, stay in touch with your friends. <laughs> and, you know, just let's just not drive each other crazy. That, that's fair. However, yeah. as we've been discussing, a lot of this happens online and in these digital spaces. So my fear is that uh, girls are currently being groomed uh, for this role uh, sort of at home uh, while, you're, while they're waiting to get let loose into the world. And, and that's a scary thing because they are, they're pushing for that independence again, and they may rebel as soon as the door opens again and they can be out in the public. So that I think is something parents need to be aware of right now is that this could be happening right under their noses. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the dating sites, a lot of these girls also get traffic from dating sites, right? One of these dating sites, one of my friends told me that cause she's on it. <laughs> she's like, did you know there's this, there's this thing called stay at home and date. And I'm like, what? That's scary to me. I mean, I mean, in this term, like yeah. the way we're, what we're talking about, trafficking, right? It's like all these girls are meeting guys on the internet while they're bored, so to say, and like starting this conversation. You, you don't know if they're traffickers or not. Like what you said, it is pretty scary right now. They might be talking to them. They might have an online boyfriend or someone they're potentially interested in. And after this is over, they might all meet up and it could lead to something very terrible. I, I think the most important thing for parents, and I, um, I really, really just want them to be open with their kids. It is, it's hard sometimes, and I understand that, but open about like sexuality and consent and what trafficking looks like. Because if you're not going to do that, like there could be some terrible things that could happen. And I've, I have, it's been sad, but I've met parents whose kids are being trafficked currently. And it's heartbreaking to see. Right. It yeah. would be. And, and, and as a parent, you would never forgive yourself for, for missing the signs. So yeah. uh, better to discuss it ahead of time and be aware of how girls can be trafficked online uh, than um, to, to suffer the consequences later. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So people can see your documentary, Girl Up, which you're, you're looking to get um, on one of the streaming services right now. Correct? Yes. Yes, and I'm you're trying to get it on streaming. And you're working on uh, a series to uh, yes. to help people recognize signs and 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 how this all works, sort of from the very beginning uh, yes. of of this journey. Um, and so, people, uh, there is a human trafficking uh, website in Canada that people can parents can um, go to mm -hmm. to contact for help. Yes, there's a helpline which I'll share with you, which you could like maybe post. Uh, along with this, uh, there's yes. a, a Canadian human trafficking uh, helpline as well as a website. Okay, That's a great. One. It's a national website, so it's a, it's a good information. A lot of information is on there as well. Okay, and parents also should probably be pressuring the schools. Yes, please. I Yes, I, yes, Candice. I'm <laughs> so for it because I have tried so hard. Like, it's just one person. I mean, I'm sure there's other people too, which I have yet to meet. 
but it's i it's just been one person being like please have this in school system please have this in school system at least if if not talking about it put posters up of the signs so these girls can recognize it right it's been a little hard however i did mention there's a fire uh, strategy plan that has come out okay so the fire strategy plan is going to get implemented pretty soon i hope but they have great uh information on it and they were talking about having posters up around in Canada talking about the signs and symptoms don't know when it's going to happen but they are doing that they're also like um helping uh the crown attorneys and everyone like learn what uh trafficking is and how to deal with them when they are in justice like in 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 court so they don't revictimize the victims and stuff so there is stuff that's been said that is happening i just have to see it in action now <laughs> Okay. Well, I thank you for helping to raise awareness for this and for joining me today. I'm sure this is going to be very helpful for parents who are listening and perhaps will send to their daughters to listen to, uh, you know, for some of those signs and to send to friends. And again, it's just getting the uh, education about this out there. Honestly, until I spoke with you uh, in the fall of last year, I was unaware of what a problem it was in Canada. I really felt this was something that didn't happen here. Mm-hmm. that's a lot of people have said that especially after watching the documentary and this awareness that was raised last year like a lot of people say that education is key if your education is aware you can save millions of lives exactly okay well thank you so much shreya much thank you for having me again we'll talk soon yeah talk soon Hey listeners, I'm Christy and I'm Melissa and this is Buried Motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back and that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer and such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%, because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.